Dave, I, I don't know about that part, you know. <laughs> you may be getting inspired, but we're, we're uh, taking nuggets out of the book of Proverbs, and there's so many of them. We're just taking 10, and uh, here's one of those nuggets in Proverbs 10, 19. It says, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. There's a, another translation of the Bible called the voice. Puts it this way. The more you talk, the more likely you will cross the line and say the wrong thing. But if you're wise, you'll speak less and with restraint. I want you to watch a little funny video clip. It's from a movie, uh, The Master of Disguise. Watch this and then I'll explain it. Hey, where'd you come from? Where's the other guy? Suave, Terry Suave's the name. London, Scotland Yard, that sort of thing. I think it's time for you to go. And I think it's time for you to put a squeeze on your chat box. What? This is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. Any questions? Did you just tell me to shut up? Yes. Folks around here call me W. You can call me King George. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a joke, son. <laughs> Would you mind if we had a picture together? Hmm? I'll take your time. Now I'm ready. Yes, sir. say. It's an honor. Who's your daddy? Sir? This is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. Any questions? <laughs> All right. My mom is a talker. I mean, there's just no way to avoid the truth of the matter. If you want a great test... For where your breaking point is, spend about two or three hours with my mother. All right? Now, don't worry. I love her dearly. I love her so much. In fact, I probably would worry if she didn't talk so much. But I needed to show you that video clip and give you that little history about my mom. So this story will be as funny to you as it is to our family. It's kind of, you had to be there joke, but this will help some. Okay, so here we are. We're in... The family van, remember the vans with the three rows of seats? We're going somewhere, and I was driving, Terry was next to me, and my mom, who we call Pity Pat. Her name's Patricia, so she wanted the grandkids to call her Pity Pat, so we all call her Pity Pat. She was behind us with Joshua next to her. Joshua was probably about four or five. He was in his car seat back there, and Ashley was all the way in the third row. Well, as usual, Pity Pat was going to town. She was telling her jokes, she was telling stories, and just talking, talking, talking. Well, Joshua was kind of a talker himself, you know, in his own right. Well, he couldn't get a word in edgewise. That movie, The Master of Disguise, was on TV at our house a few weeks earlier, and for some reason, Josh picked up on that gesture and this seemed to him to be the perfect opportunity for it to happen. You see where we're going, don't you? In the rearview mirror, I could see in horror as his little hand came up and started the talking hand. And I was paralyzed in silence when out came the words, Pity Pat, this is what you're doing. And Terry turned around, Joshua! It was a riot. Now, my mom is a little hearing impaired. That's why Josh couldn't get anything in. Every time he'd start, she wouldn't hear him. So 
she didn't hear anything except Joshua. So she goes, what, what? And Terry says, oh, nothing, nothing. And we're choking back our laughter, knowing that we're totally unable to take any advantage of the teaching moment that Joshua needed at that point. But that's how it went. So now you know what this means. The book of Proverbs has so much to say about this. It has so much to say about how we manage our words. Our ability or inability on how we kind of control our tongue will determine more than anything else the level of success that we can enjoy with our relationships. If you can't seem to say the right thing and you constantly say the wrong thing, you could actually find yourself someday alienating yourself from everybody around you. Some people find it really easy to express themselves, and they have no trouble saying what's on their mind, and we usually refer to these people as brilliant conversationalists. Some of them can talk on and on using countless words and never get around to saying anything. But we all know there's more to speaking effectively than being able to just string words together. I was watching a sitcom rerun where this guy was at a party. The party was filled with these pseudo-intellectuals. And he got trapped in a one-sided conversation with this kind of self-absorbed philosopher. He was a professor of philosophy. And one of the other guests said, isn't Dr. So-and-so brilliant? And here's what the guy said. He has the ability to say things which are on the surface seemingly vague, but in reality are actually meaningless. <laughs> that sums up the way some people converse. The Bible teaches a different approach. It teaches us to use our words sparingly, to speak carefully, with caution. Here's a great uh, kind of comparison to words. The Bible words first, the Ten Commandments. 297 words in the Ten Commandments. The 23rd Psalm has 118 words. The Lord's Prayer only has 56 words. Yet, in a recent report, the Department of Agriculture needed 15,629 words to discuss the pricing of cabbage. Really? You see, it's not the ability to use a lot of words that makes the difference. It's using the right words that makes the difference. We need to get into the habit of speaking carefully. We need to learn to think first and then speak. Today we'll focus specifically on that think first part. Before we speak, there are some things we should consider. First of all, consider saying nothing at all. Boy, wouldn't that solve about 90% of the problems? Consider that. Say nothing at all. You know, this is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. We should say that to ourselves. Now, if we would take this one to heart, I believe it would absolutely liberate us and it would revolutionize every relationship that we have. So here are three questions that maybe we should try asking ourselves as we consider zipping it. First question, do I have to say everything I know? Do I have to say everything I know? 
I was having dinner with some friends one evening, and this person's name came up in the conversation right there when we were eating. Someone admitted that they were in this 12-step group for overeaters with this person that their name came up. That's what they said. Did you know that he is bulimic? He's been binging and purging ever since his, he was a teenager. Now, this is something I really didn't need to hear, especially while I was eating. Purging? I mean, come on. Let's wait for another time maybe, right? So that was one bad thing about it. Secondly, there's a reason for those groups to have the word anonymous in their title. It's a personal thing. And thirdly, blabbing about this person, a little bit of insight into this person's life, it didn't build him up or the group up. It didn't do anything good. Just because you know something about someone doesn't mean you have to spill it. Now, if that person decides one day to share publicly their struggles with eating disorders, okay, that's up to them. But until then, it's personal. Now, we have all done this kind of thing. But we shouldn't, right? We shouldn't have to do this. We may know something about someone, but just because we know it, and just because it's true, doesn't mean we have to say it. If we can't say something that builds others up, or, or something that honors God, that he wouldn't have trouble with, well, if we can't say that stuff, well, maybe we ought to keep our mouths shut, right? Solomon said this, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint. Before you speak, consider saying nothing at all, because you don't have to say everything you know. Here's the next question we can ask ourselves. Do I have to say everything I'm thinking? <laughs> I have to say it all, whatever's there? Some people believe they know a little bit more about every subject than everybody else. And they believe it's their job to just spill it out every time a chance presents itself. Whatever subject comes up, whatever conversation, whether it's the stock market, the computers, uh, it could be criminal justice, it could be football, politics, religion, anything. They have the first and final word in the matter. And of course, they need to share it with everyone. Now, all of us can fall into this habit unintentionally, but we need to really watch out for it. Anyone remember the, the character on the TV show Cheers? His name was Cliff, the postman guy. He was one of these people. No matter what subject came up in the conversation, he had something to say about it. A self-proclaimed authority on everything and anything. He was also the subject of a lot of jokes because of that. I, I just was reminded by Jerry that uh, he, he read everybody's mail. Remember that? that? That's how he got some of this knowledge. He was a character. He was a character. Every group has one of these guys. If your group of friends does not have one of these people, take a close look at yourself. <laughs> just saying, just saying, okay? <laughs> we should think about what Solomon said. Even fools seem to be wise if they keep quiet. If they don't speak, they appear to understand. Oh, I wish I had taken this verse into consideration more often. More times than I can count. 
I still twinge a little bit. Every time I think about those occasions that I blurted out what I was thinking, and within seconds I became the biggest dunce in the room. Oh, it's horrible. Now, although not very often, there have been other times when I kept my thoughts to myself and watched as someone else blurted out their dopey insight while I remained a genius in my own mind. It, it works, right? That's a joke. You guys haven't woke. You know the early service wakes up better than you guys. How about if we do this? Uh, but you got some oxygen in your brain. Here we go. Okay, that was a joke. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I lost my place now. We don't have to say everything we think. What's that saying? Um, I say, I think it goes, it's better to remain silent and let people think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. That's a good one. Before we speak, keep this principle in mind. Silence looks like knowledge. Silence looks like knowledge. One more question. Do I have to repeat everything I hear? The problem with repeating gossip is that there's a really good chance that what we've heard isn't completely the truth. It's not the whole truth. Gossip tends to get embellished as it passes from person to person. The subject of gossip is one that we really don't take seriously enough. Well, we really don't. I mean, we say things like, I'm going to go visit so-and-so so I can catch up on the latest gossip. We say, th we say things like that as if there's nothing wrong with gossip. Now, I know to a certain extent that's just a kind of a figure of speech, catching up on gossip. But it's often too accurate about the way we converse. We need to take gossip more seriously. You want some help? Listen to what Proverbs says about gossip. A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. Did it ever occur to you that when you talk bad about someone, God considers your actions perverted? Ooh, it's what it says. In my humble opinion, the truer it is, or the juicier it is, the more despicable it is to God if we repeat it. We just shouldn't do it. God would much rather us keep quiet. Solomon said, he who covers an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Repeating everything we hear destroys friendships. This is why we need to think before we speak. Consider whether we should say anything at all. Do that. Consider that. We don't have to repeat everything we hear. And the first step to managing our mouths is to consider not saying anything at all. Second thing to consider and that is whether or not we have all the facts. Here I'm going to town. Oops, do I really know everything about this? Hmm. You remember Richard Jewell? He was the security officer who was the first on the scene when the bomb exploded in the 96 Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia. I had moved there 
about, I guess I moved there about a year after that happened, and it was still a hot topic. This guy acted carefully, courageously, heroically. Then, as is typical in these events, the FBI developed some suspicions about this guy. Now, they were suspecting him to be maybe the bomber. They were just doing their job. They needed to suspect everyone at the time to find out. But the media went wild with the story. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution printed a story packed with innuendos and misleading comments. The New York Post called him a fat, former, failed sheriff's deputy. That was a story that crossed the line between, between reporting that he was just a possible suspect all the way to declaring him guilty. Even Tom Brokaw, he compromised his credibility by saying, they probably have enough to arrest him right now, probably enough to prosecute him, but you always want enough to convict him. Well, as we know, the story turned out, he didn't plant the bomb. Richard was really a hero. He put his life in danger to save other people, and the media ripped him to shreds. But this time, fortunately, is one of the few times the media was held accountable. A number of news organizations, including NBC, settled with Jewel for an undisclosed amount because they'd rather do that than go through the humiliation of a public trial. Now, this event should teach us a couple of things. Number one, just because the Tom Brokaws out there say something happened doesn't mean it's true. Remember, when you watch the news, when somebody's reporting something, there's a very real possibility that you're only hearing a sliver of the story. Remember that. Another thing it should teach us is this. You can do a lot of damage by speaking before you get all the facts. And a lot of that damage can come right back on you. You may never find yourself in that kind of a jam that NBC was in. But you can be sure that if you open yourself up before you get the facts, you're courting disaster on you and everyone else involved. Solomon said, he who answers before listening, another translation says, before getting all the story, that is his folly and his shame. I remember working for a company and my boss flew off the handle one time because he thought this company we used was ripping him off. They overbilled him, he thought. He screamed at the employee who was responsible for this mistake. And then he called the company, he yelled at him for a while, and then canceled the contract that we had with them. A little while later, he found out he was wrong. He tried to apologize to the employee. It was too late. She was burned. She'd already resigned. Eventually, he called the company and asked to have our contract reinstated, but they told him that they had already gone with our competitors. Jumping to the wrong conclusion ended up messing us up. This is how Solomon puts it. A fool's talk brings a rod to his back, but the lips of the wise protect him. This is why we have to think first, and then speak. Consider whether or not you have the facts before you open your mouth. 
Third thing, consider the best way to say what needs to be said. Try to figure out the best way. While you're doing this, think. Spend some time. See, we don't live in a Pollyanna world where everything is great, and sometimes you have to say some things that are kind of tough, maybe not so pleasant to say. But our words will carry so much more weight if we just think about it. Make an effort to say them well. Proverbs says this, people are happy when they give a good answer. Aren't you? When the right thing comes out, it makes you kind of happy. It says, there's nothing better than the right word at the right time. That goes either way, whether it's coming to me or coming from me. It takes effort. It takes a lot of work to make sure you say the right thing the right way. Kind of like the state trooper who pulled a man over for speeding in a deserted road. The weather was clear, nobody on the road, so the officer said, look, I'm going to just let you off with a warning this time. He even complimented the man and his wife for wearing their seatbelts. At that, the woman leaned over and said, Well, officer, when you drive the speeds we do, you have to fasten your seatbelts. That's when the trooper decided to write the ticket anyway. (laughs) Now, that's an example of not thinking first. It's also an example of not considering the best way to say something. Like this story. A man fixed his wife a sandwich. And one of the pieces of bread was the heel. When he gave her the sandwich, she blew up and said, I am so sick of this. Every time you make me a sandwich, you give me the heel. You've been doing this for 20 years. Why do you do that? The man said, because the heel is my favorite piece. Hmm. Now, good answer. Maybe he didn't really do that, but that was a good answer, right? (laughs) See, he considered the best way to say something. He understood what Solomon meant when he said, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Imagine if the guy came back with, no, you're not appreciative. Who knows where that argument could have gone. If you need to confront your spouse or your child or an employee, a neighbor, You need to take the time to find the right way to go about saying it. You need to ask yourself, how can I say this in such a way that will build them up, that will uh, lead them toward doing the right thing, the thing that's best for them? It only takes a caveman to say to, to a wife or a child, you must submit to me. Instead, maybe we need to learn to be a little gentler. Look for the best way to say what needs to be said. There's a great little reminder in Proverbs that says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Which piece of fruit do you want? The life piece or the death piece? When we speak to one another, we should keep these words in mind. Now this message is just one of a ten-part series. But the Bible says so much about speaking carefully that we can make a whole series just out of talking and the tongue and all those things. Words have tremendous power, and we need to make sure we use them carefully. Solomon says, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. 
Listen to those words. Now, I, I understand that God doesn't just give us a certain number of words, and once we use them up, we die. He doesn't do that. But it is true that there's a great deal of danger in talking too much, especially if we just talk before we think. Go back to that verse we started with. The more you talk, the more likely you will cross the line and say the wrong thing. But if you're wise, you'll speak less and with restraint. I want to show you an application in a very oversimplified graph. Let's take this coming week, for example. If you were to have 300 conversations, you might say something wrong, something hurtful, maybe something sinful. You might do it five times out of 300 conversations. So if you cut that down to 200 conversations, you could lower your gaps to three. Yeah, I told you it was simple. I'm a simple-minded guy. <laughs> if you zip it enough to lower that number to 60 conversations, you may end up with only one blooper. Sound like pretty good odds, doesn't it? Get the point? Now, we don't have to take a vow of silence. I'm not saying that. But all of us would benefit from making a commitment to thinking first and then speaking. Maybe not speaking at all. Maybe wait till we have all the facts. Maybe wait till we think about the way we're going to say something. In guarding our lips, we guard our lives. We strengthen our relationships. We build up others to a closer walk with Jesus Christ. Boy, wouldn't that work a lot better than the way we do it most of the time? We just blab with this thing all the time. So maybe we're going to remember, this is what I'm doing. This is what I should be doing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for showing us what words mean. Jesus, you are called the Word, the living Word, the Word of God, the Word of life. God, help us to be careful with our speaking. Curb our tongues. Lord, let us, let us count to ten before we speak, at least. Let us think of these things we've talked about today. Keep reminding us that there's death and life in the power of the tongue. And we should be thinking of that and using it correctly. We thank you for talking to us today. And we thank you for being here in our presence and allowing us to worship you in spirit and in truth. We love you, Lord. We pray all of that in Jesus' name. Amen.